Thank you for listening to the Modesto Foursquare podcast. We hope that this message encourages and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Please know that you can always join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, 510 Bernie Street in Modesto. You can also find more information on our website at ModestoFoursquare.com. Kiddos, it's time. Kindergarten through sixth graders, you guys can stand up. And you guys are going to go out that back door with Miss Mindy Vieira. She's going to be super fun up there. I heard she doesn't have any rules at all, so um, I'm just kidding. Mindy's going to go out with you guys, and you guys will go upstairs to your classroom. Head on out, kiddos. Got one. He's not sure he wants to go. That's all right. Okay. For the rest of us, why don't you open in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 5. I have survived. I need to tell you that. So I... uh, my, I'm going to brag on myself a little, and I feel bad about it. Um, for Mother's Day, I offered Cassie two nights at the beach away from her children and her husband. So I survived Thursday, Friday, and Saturday all on my own. And my kids even got one bath during that time. So one bath. I had to change two poopy diapers and... We went to the lake. We did all kinds of fun stuff. We, I, I cooked nothing, so we had pizza and all those things. And so I am alive this morning, barely, and uh, need, I'm, I've lost all the sleep that I needed. And, uh, but we are here this morning, and we're all breathing. Everybody breathing? And Cassie is refreshed. So now it's her turn for the next. So two days in her world is like two months in my world. So I get a break for the next two months. I don't have to change any diapers or do any of the, wake up in the middle of the night, any of those things. So, us guys, sometimes we're just weak compared to our wives, huh? They're just tougher than us. I just, I believe that with all my heart. So, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Let's Get Real, um, where we're trying to get back to the fundamentals of our faith, right? The, the, the basics, right? We're going to try to make our Christianity uncomplicated, right? We're going to get back to just the basics and the understandings, the foundations of what does it look like to follow Jesus, right? Sometimes in church, we just, we like to use big words and we like to make things really complex and we like to sound like we're super smart, right? And we're going to set all that stuff aside, right? And we're just going to get back to what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, right? And so sometimes we can lose sight of, of Christ in the middle of even doing good things, and we miss out on what God is doing in our midst, right? Sometimes we get sidetracked. Well, I have to do all of these really, really good, good things, and I miss out on what God is actually calling me and leading me to do, right? Does that ever happen to you, right? Maybe your schedule fills up. I have like 29 graduation parties to go to or, you know, seven kids' birthday parties or whatever, right? We have these things that are good that happen or maybe even things in the church. I'm going to sign up for all the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the kids' team and the worship team and the sound team and the, and the women's team and the men's team and all the teams, right? I'm going to be on all the teams, right? I'm going to do all the good things, right? Instead of just asking God, what are you asking me to do, right? What is my part to play, right? Doing more for Jesus doesn't always mean that we're following Jesus, right? Like we talked about this morning, sometimes God just wants to get with us. And sometimes we can even be so busy with church activities that we miss Jesus, right? That seems counterintuitive. But we can get so busy doing the work, right? I've got to clean this sink, or I've got I to do this Bible study, or I've got to do this thing, right? 
that we don't actually ever spend any time with Jesus, right? Doesn't Scripture say you're going to, there will be people who stand before Jesus who say, I did all of these great things in your name, right? I cast out demons and I did all this really cool stuff. And Jesus says, what does he say? He say, well done, good job, awesome. He says, I never knew you, right? So getting back to the basics, to the fundamentals, is getting back to just knowing Jesus, right? Not just knowing about Jesus, but getting to know him again, right? Allowing him to get to know us again. Getting down to the basics. We've been talking about salvation. We've been talking about the scriptures. We're going to talk about giving, everybody's favorite topic. Uh, And this morning, we're going to talk about prayer, right? And so how can we reconnect with this heartbeat of God? How do we return to our first love? We get to see this morning that Jesus is for all people, right? We get to stand together as the body of Christ, and we get to let go of rules and regulations to embrace relationships again, right? Isn't that part of why Jesus came, right? This The Jewish people were obsessed with rules and regulations. They were obsessed with them. I told you last week, they built rules around rules around rules around rules so that they wouldn't just break these rules in the middle, right? They were obsessed with them. And Jesus was not obsessed with rules. He was obsessed with relationship, right? He wanted to know us, right? He wanted to be with us. And so I hope that so far you've enjoyed some of this journey I have. So whether you've liked it or not, I, I, I've enjoyed our time together and studying for this. And we're just going to continue this adventure together as we talk about let's get real with prayer. So when I think of prayer, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can feel a little bit of guilt, right? A little bit of shame can creep into my heart. Even as a pastor, as somebody who prays, um, I feel like I, I should be praying more, right? Does anyone ever feel like that? Like they're just not that good at prayer. And inevitably, there's like one or two people in, the, in a church and they're just really good at prayer, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I, like, I spend like 17 hours a day in my prayer closet. And, and then the rest of us are like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be as spiritual as that person, right? Um, and sometimes it feels like maybe we don't pray enough or we can be less spiritual or less mature and we can just feel bad at prayer right? Has anyone ever gotten bored during prayer? It's okay. I won't make you raise your hand. Have you ever fallen asleep while praying? You know what? You're in good company, right? Remember we shared about this Matthew 26, right? Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and and he's spending time in prayer, and he tells his disciples to sit in prayer. And what do they do? They fall asleep, right? They fall asleep. Not one time, but several times they fall asleep. And these are the same guys that are going to take the whole gospel to the whole world and change the world. The same guys who fell asleep while they were praying changed the world, right? Doesn't that give you a little bit of hope, right? That if these guys who fell asleep, and I know that I've fallen asleep at times during prayer, that they change the world. The heart of this matter is not a try harder, church. This isn't like a I'm, I'm not, a, I don't believe in this like gritted out, you know, clench your teeth, Christianity. Oh, if I just try a little harder, right? It's going to go better for me. That is the antithesis of following Jesus, right? Trying harder and, and just buckling down and sucking it up, right? That's the antithesis of Jesus, right? This is not a try harder message, but instead it's meant to rediscover the power of prayer in our lives. It's designed to remind us 
of the value and realities of bringing our thoughts and requests before the God of the universe, right? That's really what we're doing when we pray. We're, we're bringing our lives. We're bringing our, our stuff. We're bringing our challenges. We're bringing our successes. We're bringing our failures. And we're just laying them back at the feet of the God of the universe, right? At God's feet. And so it's meant to inspire us this morning to connect more deeply with our Savior in our prayer lives. And my hope is that we would learn to make prayer a greater part of our lifestyle with Jesus. Because prayer is not just an act, church. Prayer is part of our walk with Jesus, right? Prayer is not just something that we do and then we move on to something else, right? Prayer is part of us living and walking and breathing, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? Always, continually, in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with the Lord, right? Maybe we get distracted by something. It's okay. We can go right back to that conversation like it never stopped. Does anyone have a friend like that? Maybe you don't see them for even months or years at a time, but it's like when you get back together, it's like the conversation just starts back up again, right? That's how it is with Jesus. He remembers where you stopped, right? You can just pick it right back up again. Just have that conversation. We're in constant communication with God. We are connected with the Lord. There is no space and no season that does not require some kind of prayer, right? Whether your life is going well, we, we have prayers for that, right? We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about five different types of prayer. There are seasons for that type of prayer. If life is just cra- you know, crunching down around you and your whole life is falling apart, there are prayers for that, right? When my legs don't work right, there are prayers for that. When my bank account is empty, there are prayers for that, right? There are prayers for every season and every opportunity, right? Always, continually, in all circumstances, pray, right? So let's dive in together. James 5, verses 13 through 20. Again, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, but whatever one you have is wonderful. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Man, that guy's good at prayer, right? Not like three and a half hours. Three and a half years it didn't, pray. It didn't, didn't rain. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The theme of this passage is take it all to the Lord with all being in capital letters, circled in red. Take it all to the Lord, right? This is the, the main message of James to God's people in this passage. There is no time in which we do not need to communicate with God. 
No time, no season. Because verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is life-changing. Prayer is transformational. It is healing. It is redemptive. It is celebratory. It is effective, right? And prayer does not require fancy words, right? Remember, we're getting back to the basics, right? We're getting back. And, and if you don't know how to pray, there's a passage in Scripture where Jesus teaches us how to pray, right? So I encourage you to go look that up. Um, so if you don't know how to pray, you can do it that way. And it's not using all these big words like sanctification and all these crazy, I don't even know all the words because I don't, I don't have a master's degree in theology or something like that, or a PhD, um, it's simply, prayer simply calls us to have faith in Jesus, right? It calls us to trust in him. It calls us to lead, to put our lives in his hands. One theologian says it this way, when such a power is granted, faith should immediately, should be immediately called into exercise that the blessing may be given. The spirit of prayer is proof that the power of God is present to heal. Long prayers give no particular evidence of divine inspiration, right? Don't we see over and over in Scripture these, these men and women of God who say, I, but God, I don't have the right things to say. I don't have the right words to say, right? Moses says that. We see that Paul even says that. I don't come to you with eloquent speech, right? I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus says to us often to, to come to him like a child, right? Some of the most profound prayers I've ever heard in my life did not come from a grown-up. They came from a kid who doesn't know any better, who just comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, this is what I have going on. Can you fix this for me? Right? We don't have to come with eloquent words. Right? We talked about my friend last week, John Sedin, who, oh God, you know, put his hands together. It is by the power of God that our prayers work, not our eloquent language or our long prayers. There's no quarter machine of prayer. We don't get to just put the right prayer into the machine and turn the knob and out we get our toy. That's not how it works, right? Because that would be dependent upon us. It's completely and totally dependent on the Lord. It's not because we say the right magical phrases, right? He's not a quarter machine God. It's not how he works. We don't get our little sticky pad, right? That little, remember that little thing as a kid where you'd pull it back and it would, you'd, maybe, maybe you don't remember, I don't know. He is the one who does the work. God is the one who does the work. With that reality in mind, I want to talk about five types of prayer that, that, that James speaks of in this passage. Number one, found in verse 13, a prayer of need. This is crying out to the Lord in the midst of, of a tough situation or circumstance. James describes us being in trouble, right? Has anyone ever prayed a prayer in trouble, right? Maybe it's even the trouble of your own creation, right? Has anyone ever prayed a prayer of trouble of your own creation? Like, God, I know I put myself in this spot. I know I did the wrong thing, but could you rescue me, right? Maybe it's not something you've created, but you ended up in this space and you just cry out to the Lord. Basically, like half of the Psalms are like this. It's David crying out, God, I'm in trouble. They're chasing after me and they want to kill me. Save me. Or I was a really bad dad and now all my kids want to kill me, right? 
or I know I did this thing over here with Bathsheba and it was wrong. God, please don't kill me, right? All these different things that David lays out to us. Maybe in your life, maybe your, your, your kiddo isn't serving Jesus, right? Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're in a dry season. You open the word and you just feel like, God, I'm, I, just, you're not, I don't feel like you're saying anything to me. And we reach out to the Lord for help and we say, God, I need you, right? This is what this prayer is. The Apostle Paul describes this type of prayer in Romans 8, 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, right? The message describes it as, wordless sighs or aching groans. Has anyone ever prayed out of wordless sighs and aching groans? Maybe all you can do is ugly cry before the Lord, right? That's what I think of this prayer of need, right? God, step in the middle of my messy life and do something miraculous, right? That's what we're asking him in, in our need. And, and we see that God does, right? How many times for us will we say we've went to the Lord in the mess of our life, and somehow God has, you know, moved it around, and all of a sudden, something good comes out of that space. We know that we couldn't figure it out. We're not that smart, church. I mean, you are. I'm not that smart, right? I couldn't figure it out, but we come to the Lord with our messiness, and we, we come to Him in that, with our need. We come to Him with our wordless groans. Oh, those things, and God moves on our behalf. The second type of prayer found in verse 13 also is a prayer of celebration or a prayer of thanksgiving. James says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise, right? We don't just have to come to the Lord when our life is a mess, right? Our life is probably more a mess than it is put together though, right? So maybe maybe the balance, maybe we're a mess 80% of the time and not a mess 20% of the time, but during the 20% of the time, we can still come to the Lord, right? With thanksgiving, with thankfulness. He wants to hear about our victories, right? He wants to celebrate us. He has joy when we have joy. God's excited when we're excited, right? Don't you love that? That God wants, he wants to party with us, right? I love that about Jesus. You see him in the New Testament, man, that guy liked to party. He liked to get down. He, if you think God is boring, go read the Gospels. And you see how many times the religious people were mad at Jesus because he went to a party, right? His first miracle, remember, is turning water into wine at a party, right? You know how much flack he probably got for that? Like, Jesus, don't you know, man? Right? He wants to celebrate with us. He is worthy of all of our praise for the good things in our lives. James 1.17 talks about how every blessing that we have comes from God. Every good thing that we have comes from God. He's the one who provides it, and he's the one we should celebrate. So when life is good, worship him, church. Tell him about your happiness. Tell him about your joy. Third type of prayer, found in verses 14, 15, and 16 is a prayer of healing. James says, Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And then again he says, Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? 
And this healing that James is talking about is both physical and it's spiritual. And it's emotional. It's all the areas. You know that God doesn't see us as just physical beings, right? We're three parts, right? We, there's, there's the physical part, there's the spiritual part, and then there's the emotional soul part of us, right? God wants to heal every part of us. He wants to restore every part of us, right? And if we dissect the text a little bit more, we see that what James is talking about, it, he says that he anoints with oil, right? Anoint them with oil. And in, in, in this time in history, oil was kind of like the magical thing, right? If you had an earache, they'd put oil in your ear, olive oil. If you had a sore throat, you'd Drink olive oil. If you had a leg that wasn't working, all right, rubs. It's like it's like that movie, right? Where they where the where the mom sprays Windex. What's that? Uh, uh, my big fat Greek wedding, right? When you when you got a little cut, she sprays Windex on it, right? And this time it would have been oil, right? If you're sick, we're just gonna pour the oil all over you, right? It had this medicinal healing properties to it, right? And so the the imagery that we see in this text is when we pray. The oil of the Spirit, the healing of God is being poured over us when we pray, right? We're not not anointed with a physical. We can. We have oil up front. We do that, right, as a symbol. But we're, we're anointed with a spiritual oil that pours over us, right? The Spirit of God. Aren't you glad that it's not just a physical thing, that it's not just we're rubbing some olive oil on you that Fred had at his house, right? Thank you, Fred, for filling those things for me. And I, I laugh because Fred asked me, is there anything special I'm supposed to do this oil? I'm like, I don't, I, you got to send it to the Pope, Fred. He's got to bless it at the Vatican. You didn't know. And he kind of looked at me sideways. I said, that's okay, Fred. You, there's nothing magical about the oil in itself, but it symbolizes the Holy Spirit, right? Aren't you glad that we're not depending on a physical oil to heal us? We know that olive oil is not going to probably make our sore throat better, right? But we're depending on the oil of the Holy Spirit, right? That pours over us the oil of the Lord and one theologian says this about, about healing, prayers of healing. We should pray in faith, expecting that God will heal them, then leave the matter to God's hands, right? Sometimes we try to figure out God. Has anyone ever tried to figure God out? And sometimes we can't always understand the healing part of God's personality, right? It just doesn't make sense to us. And what if we stopped trying to figure out God? okay, he heals this person and doesn't heal that person, or he heals this part or doesn't heal that. What if we just stop trying to figure God out and we just let him heal? We let it be dependent upon him. What if instead of bringing doubt to God, we bring our faith, right, in our prayers? What if we just believe what the Bible says about healing and we just let that be what it is, right? One pastor says it this way, I love this. It's God's reputation, not ours. God is big enough to handle his own reputation. We don't need to defend God, right? I stopped a long time ago trying to figure out why God heals some and doesn't heal others. I just, I want my heart to be the heart of a child. The scripture says that if I lay hands and I anoint with oil, that God heals. And then let God figure it out, right? Let him do what he's going to do. Let's be a people who pray in faith and believe that Jesus is the same powerful person that he was when he healed people in the Gospels, right? When even that woman just touched the hem of his garment, right, and was healed instantly. He didn't even, you talk about not knowing the right words, he didn't even pray any words over her. 
She touched the hem of his garment and she was healed, right? Or the paralytic man, right? Who couldn't, couldn't, get in, couldn't get into the swimming pool fast enough to get his healing, right? And Jesus heals him like that, right? We serve that same God, right? It's up there, up top. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals the same way, right? So let's come to him with, with faith and not try to figure it out. Just pray and let him do what he's going to do. Number four, prayer of repentance. Everybody's favorite kind of prayer. Woo! Found in verse 16. This passage, James speaks of confession being so valuable to our walks with Jesus, right? This speaks of community, right? I'm not, this is not talking about us going to the priest, right? Any of us, anybody who grew up Catholic, right? Confession, you think automatically, I got to go to the priest and tell them all the bad things that I've done, right? And they'll tell me, I have to say 40 Hail Marys or whatever, and I'm good to go, right? I can go about my business. I, I had a girl that I went to, to college with, actually went to high school with also, and she went to Central Catholic, and she used to tell me, I love confession, right? I love it. They made them do it at Central Catholic a couple times a year. I love it because I can do whatever I want, and then I go tell the priest, and he just tells me to say 40 Hail Marys, and then I go about my day, and then I get to go do whatever I want again, right? It feels awesome, right? She also said there was a guy in school who was in there for like an hour, and everyone's like, what did this kid do, right? I'm not talking about that kind of confession, Okay. I'm talking about standing in prayer and accountability with people who are around you who love Jesus, right? That we need people when we're going through hard things, when we're, when we're battling sin in our life, we need people to stand with us and pray for us. We need to get real and honest with folks, right? And when you share it with somebody else, it brings it out into the open, right? It breaks the power of isolation and secret sin, right? It brings it all out in the open and allows the light and mercy of God to shine upon that area of our lives. There is something spiritually powerful when we confess to one another, right? And I'm not just saying go over to Daniel and just dump your, you know, 50 years of your life on him. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we're having a struggle in life, we can come to the people around us that we trust and they'll stand with us and they'll check on us and they'll say, you know, Cassie, how are you doing in that area of life? Remember we talked about that. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you, right? There's a powerful, there's a power in that. Pastor David Gizek, who I like to, quote a lot. He says, mutual confession brings healing, both physical and spiritual. Confession can free us from the heavy burdens, physically and spiritually, of unresolved sin and removes hindrances to the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Confession by its nature, it's healing in our lives, right? It breaks that isolation. We bring our sins before the Lord and we receive his forgiveness, which is infinite, right? I was listening uh, we were on our way up the mountain while Cassie was away, and we were taking my kids to the lake, and we were listening to this VeggieTales podcast. Now, now kids are into podcasts. It's like a thing, I guess, now. And they were talking about forgiveness, and they were talking about that passage, right? Seven times 70, right? And they, that actually, that means infinite, that we have to forgive one another, and God even forgives us infinitely. Aren't you glad? right? There's not a cat. It's not, it's not 490 times, right? I don't get to say, Cassie, you offended me 490 times. Now we're at 491 and we're, it's over now, right? We're, we're, we're in trouble, right? It's infinite forgiveness. So let's embrace our community that will help us stay on the straight and narrow, right? Help us follow God. 
pray with us and stand with us right on our journey. That's a prayer of repentance. Number five, this is the final type of prayer that James describes, found in verse 20. The prayer of salvation. It's a little bit indirect in this, but I think it's in there. James says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Isn't that why we're here, church? Right? I always say that. If our work was done when we came to know Jesus, he would have just beamed us up like Elijah, right? Would have been over. We would have gone up to heaven. It would have been way better than here, right? It wouldn't be hot outside, right? All those things. We wouldn't have sickness or despair, right? But we're here because there are people on planet earth that don't have Jesus, right? And our job is to share Jesus with them. Many of us have experienced a prayer, powerful and effective prayer. How many of you were knuckleheadedness, your, your, your knuckleheadedness lasted a while, right? And somebody was praying for you, right? They were praying for you, and they were praying for you, and they were praying for you, and they were inviting you to church, and then they were praying for you some more, right? And it took a little while for that prayer of salvation to kind of set in in your life. How many of us would say that's true for us, right? We've seen that be effective in us, church. Many of you had praying parents or grandparents or aunties and uncles or friends, right? And somehow that powerful prayer eventually broke through in your life, right? And you gave your heart to Jesus. And maybe there are people in our lives that we've prayed long and hard for and they've come to know Jesus, right? We've seen a change in the human heart. This is what I'm talking about. We've seen the Lord rescue them from the path that leads to destruction, right? And maybe we're in the middle of this. Maybe there's somebody in our life, a kid or a grandkid or a friend that we've been praying for, right? And God is encouraging us, keep praying. His prayer is not any less powerful or effective than it was when it impacted our life, right? Somebody prayed for us and it worked, and so we have to continue to pray. I, I, have, I like to tell this story. We had a lady in our church, um, and she prayed for her husband, I think, 46 years. She prayed for him to come to know Jesus. And he, he did, about eight years before he died, right? And I never wish that upon anyone. Please, God, don't make anyone pray for 46 years. That had to be pretty frustrating. But you know what? Sometimes we have to pray for a long time, and then God breaks through, right, in people's lives. This is a prayer that takes us from death to life. It's a prayer that takes us from lost to found. It's a prayer that takes us from the pit and sets our feet upon the rock, right? One prayer of salvation changed everything, right? Not only people praying for us, but when we received Jesus, didn't we pray, right? We, we asked him to come into our lives and, and that changed us, right? That one moment changed everything for us, right? And it still does. God still saves. No matter how much the news tells you about how bad the world is, I do encourage you, go, go back and look at Rome. If you think America's bad, go look at Rome. Rome was worse, okay? There were things that were going on there that you couldn't even fathom, right? And I'm not saying that makes it great in this life, but sometimes we can just say the world is too far gone. God can't do anything anymore, right? And that is a lie from the pit of hell, Amen. right? It is a lie. I mean, Christians in this first century, they were being strung up on poles. They were being tarred and feathered. They were being set on fire for the cause of Christ. And you know what? The gospel went forth, and people got saved. 
And people were transformed, right? In the middle of all this craziness. And so we can't say that God is done working his work of salvation just because we think we turn on the news and it pisses us off, right? He's still on his throne. He's still a God that changes us and heals us and restores us. Doesn't mean that we are okay with everything that goes on around us. But sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us that we lose sight of Jesus. We get so overwhelmed by all the crap that's going on in life and the politics are this way and this is person's that way and, and this is going on and all this stuff that we lose sight of the mission of Jesus. We are not called in scriptures to be politicians. We're called in scriptures to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. So have our opinions. I, I have my own, right? But my main mission is not to fix politicians. My main mission is to be Jesus wherever I go. And realize that no matter what craziness is... I mean, I came up here and there was a lady across the street who was screaming her lungs out because she was on some sort of drug. You know what my job is? To be Jesus, right? Not to have a political opinion about what that lady should or shouldn't do. My job is to be Jesus, right? You can tell I'm a little bit excited about that. I just think we've put our God in a box. We boxed him up and we've said our world is too far gone and Jesus is too small right? And we want to fight for our rights, and we want to fight for all this craziness. And Jesus is saying, are you willing to fight for the gospel as much as you're willing to fight for your rights? Because those people in the New Testament, they weren't going to be politicians. What they were going to be is Jesus. And they didn't care if they were towered in feather. They didn't care if they were... 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred for their faith. Only one of them made it to the end of their life. One out of 12 And they didn't care because they had a job to do. Jesus had left them on planet Earth to do something. And so the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, effective. One translation says the fervent prayer or the earnest prayer. This word fervent and earnest, it means strong and energizing. It speaks of us being passionate about the things that God is passionate about. Does our heart break for what breaks God's heart? Are we fervent for the things that God is fervent for? Will we have faith even the size of a mustard seed, even in the middle of the storm, right? 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, Look to the Lord in His strength. Seek His face always. Will we lean into the prayer in good times and in bad? This is the type of in-season and out-of-season prayer that James is calling us to, church. Seeking Christ in the tough times and in the joyful ones. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. All the time, in every season, pray. Because we know three things about prayer. This is where we're going to finish this morning. We know three things about prayer. Number one, God hears. God hears. 1 John 5.14, Jeremiah 29.12 Speak of a God that hears the cries and prayers of his people. Our prayers never fall on deaf ears. God is never on vacation, right? God is always there to hear and respond to us. Psalm 17, 6 says, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your eye to me and hear my prayer. We do not serve a far off and unresponsive God. 
we serve a God that is near and active in our lives, right? Aren't you glad of that? God hears. Number two, God answers. Psalm 102.17 says, He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. He hears us. He answers us. He talks back to us. He speaks through our prayer times. He speaks. Remember we talked last week? If you're looking to hear from God, get in your word, right? Get in the Bible because that's the main way that God speaks to us. He speaks through worship. He speaks through any means necessary, right? And he will answer. Number three, God moves. Matthew 6, uh, 11 speaks of the Lord being our daily bread or our sustaining force, right? Matthew 7, 11 said that the Lord only gives good gifts to his children, right? God only gives good things to us. He only pours out the oil of goodness upon his people. He heals He saves, He restores, He rescues. God moves in our life. And we don't always have to understand how He does it. That's not our job, right? Do you believe that God has a bigger brain than you? Right? He has a bigger brain than you. If we understood how God healed, our brain would probably explode, right? Like a watermelon, okay? We just have to believe that He does it, right? We don't have to understand it, we just have to believe it. We don't serve an inattentive God, but one that cares for us. The Lord hears, he answers, and he moves, church. So as we come to the time of, uh, of wrapping up this morning, I want our hearts of prayer to be rekindled. We're, we're not going to come back for another song. I'm just going to pray over us when we finish. But I hope that we can return to hopefulness. I think at the heart of prayer is hopefulness, right? That God is who he says he is, Right? Isn't that kind of our hope as Christians? That I believe this God to be in existence and I sure hope he is who he says he is, right? Isn't that our hope as followers of Jesus, right? I hope that, I can, that we can return to a fervent, earnest prayer life, right? That starts today. And so I have a couple questions for us. Where do you need to have prayer in your life? Where do you have something to celebrate? Where do you need an answer from God? Where do you just need a touch from Jesus? We're just going to take time. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. and I want you to bring whatever it is that you have for the Lord, whether it's Thanksgiving or a prayer of healing or a prayer of uh, you know, salvation or a prayer, whatever it is that you need. I just want you in this moment, just quietly, going to just take a moment and just bring that request before the Lord afresh and anew, believing that God, He still hears He still answers and he still moves. Let's just take a moment together, church. Lord, we thank you that you you want to be with us. We thank you that you want to listen to us, that you want to talk to us, that you want to commune with us, that you want to have conversation with us. And so, Lord, we we bring our hearts back to a, a season of prayer. We bring our hearts back to a season of faith, 
Not a big faith. Not a faith the size of a mountain, but a faith the size of a mustard seed. We come to you and we don't have to understand how you work. We don't have to understand how you heal or restore or do any of those things, God, but we trust that you do those things. And Lord, all we want to do, we just want to touch the hem of your garment. We want you to get all over us, God. We want your spirit all over us and in our lives and in our families and in our finances and in our marriages and all of those things, God. We invite you into all of those spaces because we know that you can do more in our lives than we could ever possibly do on our own. Lord, we welcome you into every space in us. Lord, that you can break any chain, that you can break any bondage, that you can break any hold over us and over the people that we love, God. We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. We love you. We trust you. We know that you are faithful. Give us a new, renewed heart of prayer towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Men, please don't forget to grab your delicious cookie on the way out. And happy Father's Day to all. God bless you guys.